straight from Boston, it's Founder Thought, the show that has everything from advice, ideas, and inspiration from founders and business owners that made it all happen. I will never forget August of 2008, I walked into the office and I'm calling the banks that we have contacts with and nobody's picking up the phones. Today, we're here with Faraz Saeed, founder of Sticker Clicker. Hey Faraz, how are you today? Good, how are you doing? Good, good. So we're so excited to have you on with us. Um, tell us a little bit about you. So I'm the co-founder of Sticker Quicker. Um, I have, um, I just had a baby boy, which is really nice, um, exciting. Oh, amazing. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, you must I've be exhausted. Always lo- <laughs> I, I, I kind of. It's it, it's a different situation. Like you're exhausted, but it's like it's wonderful to spend the time with him, right? Yeah. Um, so it's well worth it. Like even the sleepless nights, mm-hmm. I, I I look forward to it. Amazing. Uh, but I've, I've always loved like technology, computers, and I've always, um, I was born in, you know, the computer uh, family, like my dad, his brothers, everybody, they, they ran a computer company. So I was very familiar with that. Um, I love playing competitive sports like you know, football, tennis, basketball. And um, I, I have a large family unit out in the Bay Area. So we have, we're about 150 people. Cousins, oh, wow. aunts, oh, wow. uncles, yeah. <laughs> it's a large family. So, yeah, yeah. So when we have when we have parties, we really party. So uh, for us, growing with big family, what challenges or what benefit of a growing with big family around you? I love growing up with a big family. The biggest thing that I had was a consistency of family. I always had somebody that I could turn to. I mean, whether if it, my parents were there, I could turn to my aunts and uncles. And you just have you're able to socialize much better when you have a large family. You have to, especially with my loud family, you have to learn to voice (laughs) your opinion, right? So like when you're sitting there at a dinner table or having conversations, everybody's trying to yell over each other, telling them what (laughs) needs to be done, right? I I was able to talk to anybody. I was never shy to have a conversation with somebody, which really helped me in my professional life because um, I, one, was always ready to voice my opinion. And two, is I already had that social skill where, you know, some of my friends that I know that have came from, and it's not everybody, but I know some of my friends that were like, you know, um, had very small families, or if they were just a single child, they, they weren't as opinionated as I was. Mm -hmm. Now, the downside of having a big family is that they tend to take up a lot of time, which is not bad. It's not, it's it's actually, it's not a bad thing. But like, when you're running a startup, it you know that's where the, the, the juggle happens right is you have to kind of figure out okay i can get to this part you know i i can attend this family uh reunion or what have you or i have to show up late and you know i get grief for that so <laughs> you know because uh, they're like hey you should be here on time you know work will always be there i was like i understand that but i have a business to run also <laughs> right but when you have big family you have a lot of support especially for oh, people like people like entrepreneur people and business owner you need the support to be around you. Building business is not easy. No, not at all. And I mean, and and the thing is, is that you do definitely 110% you need support, right? Um, and on top of that, it's actually really good to have a big family because you can actually, I mean, even even to this day, like if I have a product that I want to launch, I will get, you know, I, I have such a wide age range within that 150 people that I can go ask them questions about my product and figure out if that's something that they will use. And if they're going to use it, why are they going to use it? Why are they not, why are they not going to use it? So I get like a, a really small sample size, but it helps me kind of tailor my, uh, my message to my customers as well. 
right? Which is really nice. So that's just one big advantage of having a large family and having that support. So now let me ask you, your dad immigrated from uh, Pakistan? Yes. So he came out here to study. He went to college out here. And that's how he migrated. He came out on a student visa. So first, my eldest uncle, he came out. Then he told my dad, hey, apply, come on out. And then the youngest brother came out. And, and these are the three people that actually came to the U.S. The rest of the 10 people were still in Pakistan. And then once they got settled out here, then they started calling the family members slowly to come to, to, to migrate out here as well. And, you know, first, because I'm, I'm migrated, obviously, from uh, overseas, I feel that people come from overseas. They come with a certain goal. We're trying to come build a business or do something for our life. Do you see this as a new dad the drive? Yeah, I mean, it was. So, you know, my family in Pakistan wasn't very wealthy. Um, they lived in a small village. And so when, they, when my dad came out here, yeah, that was his goal, that he was like, hey, I need to set up the family. My eldest uncle, he basically sent them out here and said, hey, you guys need to go make something out of yourself. I can't, I can't come out there, but I can send you guys out there. I want you to study and go make something out of yourself. They, and he just sent them with a few bucks in their pocket and said, go to school and figure it out, right? So they came out here, barely could, like my dad could speak good English, my uncle didn't speak that well of English, but they learned as they went. And they got into colleges and then they, you know, then that's where they, you know, learned all their training. And so all of them uh, had engineering degrees pretty much. So, you know, uh, my dad's older brother is computer science. Uh, my dad's a, he has a professional engineering degree. Amazing. And have you been back in Pakistan? I haven't gone. It's been, it's been the last time that I went was uh, when my sister got married. And that's like 20 years ago, if not more. So now let me ask you, also you, th- you said you are in the business with your brother-in-law uh, more. Yes. And do you see this as, as a challenge or do you see this as uh, a benefit? It's a little bit of both, okay? And the reason why is is that when you are running, uh, when, when people start businesses with their family, there is a, uh, the line is very blurry, and so the good thing with like Mo, like me and Mo have been friends forever. So like, I mean, I've known this guy. So before he married my sister, he was a very good friend of mine from high school. So that's how I know him. So I go, I, I go, we have a long history. And so we, you know, we were always able to communicate with each other very well. But we always had that idea of that, hey, okay, you know what, whatever happens in the business, because when you're running a business, it's not like it's all, it's not always, you know, roses and sunshine, right? You're going to have arguments, you're going to, and, and these are good arguments, right? Because everybody's trying to voice their opinion on what direction the company should go and why, right? Or what's the next step that we should do and why, right? But the big thing was that we drew that line and said, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens at the office, and me and him are not the type of people that hold grudges. So we could have an argument about a marketing campaign or something that has to do with the business, right? Which is normal. You're supposed to do that. And then at that point, but even when we're at home, we don't talk about business. So we leave business at the office. And then when we're with family, we're just there with family. So the, 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 the challenge, I think, when you're working with family is that you have to learn to draw that line. And I think it took me and him um, a little bit to figure that out. Right. But once we figured that out, we're like, okay, you know what? Now we, now we know how to handle this whole situation. This company is not about me or him. This company is about the company. The company is its own entity. So we have to do what's best for the company as if it was like our child. It's not about like, oh, what's best for us. It's what's best for the company. And, and, and I think me and him have that straight. We have that mindset. So it works out really well. Amazing. So you were raised in an entrepreneurial family. Tell us a little bit about your first experience as an entrepreneur. I was in sixth grade. I don't remember how old I was. And I remember 
uh, my mom had taken me to the mall. And I, you know, the Reebok pumps were like the thing. Those are shoot. If you you had to have Reebok pumps when you were, you know, playing basketball, or what have you, right? Everybody had them. And so um, I really wanted them. My mom, my mom was like, "There's no way. I'm not buying you like a hundred dollars shoe. You're in sixth grade. Like that's not happening, <laughs> right? A good try, but you know, you can get all the A's you want. You're not gonna get Reebok pumps, right? And I was like, okay, well, you know, I I didn't want to take no for an answer. So then. I would mow my parents' lawn. So that was my thing. Like on Saturdays, I'd wake up. My dad's like, okay, that's your chore. Go mow the lawn, you know, uh, trim the hedges, do, do, do all of that, right? So I thought about it. And I remember my neighbor had come to me and he said, hey, you're doing this for your father. How much would you charge me? And I was like, what? I, like, he's going to pay me to do this? Like, my dad doesn't pay me anything. I have to do this for free. And so then, so I, I you know, I, I thought about it. I remember I went to my uncle's house because he, so he lived one door down from us, right? And so I asked him, and I was like, you know, how much would you pay me to mow your lawn? And he has a giant lawn. Like, his backyard was twice the size of our backyard. And so my uncle's like, oh, you know, I'll give you like five bucks. And I'm like, hold on. I was like, okay, well, let me figure out. So I thought about it, I was like, you know, $5. That seems like a lot when you're a kid. But I thought about it and I'm like, hold on, because my dad paid to fill up that first tank of gas. I don't remember how much the gas was cheap back then, but I was like, okay. And it takes XYZ amount of time. And I was just looking at the profit saying, okay, well, if I you know, mow his lawn, I'll make X amount of dollars in this many hours, right? And that's how I looked at it. And so I said, okay, you know what? I'll charge you. I don't even know what the number was. I think it was like 10 bucks. I would do his whole lawn for him. He gave me $10, mowed the lawn. And then I was like, okay, I got 10 bucks. And then I went to the other neighbor and I said, hey, you know, your lawn hasn't been mowed. Like, can I do it for you? You know, I'm just trying to you know, raise money. And um, they're like, sure, go for it. And I remember I, I, we went to the mall, like, I think um, two or three weeks later. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, and I was cash? a mall. I had the cash. I had, my, my mom had no idea that I had this cash on me. And so, cause I kept in this little jar. And so my mom had no idea that I had this cash. So I go there and I was like, I want to go to the shoe store. She's like, I'm not buying you Reeboks. I'm like, I'm not asking you to buy me Reeboks. I just want to go to the store. And so she, and I was like, I want to try on the shoes. So I try on the shoes. I take them to the register. My mom was like, I'm not buying these for you. I was like, I'm not asking you to. And and she's like, well, how are you going to pay for this? And I take out my little can and I bust out like, <laughs> you know, $200 or whatever the, the amount was, you know, it was a hundred something bucks. Gave it to the guy. My mom looks at me and she goes, where are you getting all this money from? Who's giving you money? And I was like, oh, well, I started mowing the lawns. And she's like, oh, and she's like, she was like, well, is that why our, uh, our trash can's full of, you know, lawn clippings? I was like, yeah, some of the customers would pay me extra. Yeah. Would pay me extra with little clippings in my own trash can. So I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So that was the first time that I ever you know, um, that was my first business that I ever ran. And um, Faz, I'm sure just like everybody has same stories. When I first, actually, first when I was young, I sold actually candy in the, in the uh, school where I was. Everybody has the story. But I feel those stories will build you for the future because you see the, you see the benefit of it or you see the excitement. Did you see this from like from the beginning? Did you see, oh, you know, I know I want to be a business owner or I want to be an entrepreneur. Did you feel this feeling from when you were young after this? I think it was when I was towards the end of high school when I started working at Office Max. Um, that's when I realized I, I didn't want to be, you know, a nine to five. Like it just wasn't for me because I worked at Costco. I worked at, um, I worked at Costco office max. And from there, I actually went to like a cell phone company. I think what the num- company is it, MCI Worldcom. I worked there for a while. Um, and I was like, like I was really good at sales selling cell phones. So I was like the number one sales rep and all that, uh, good mm. jazz. And then, um, 
And then from there, um, I got into, I had, I had an uncle and this is where the family comes in, right? I had an uncle that worked in real estate and he was like, hold on, you're really, really good at sales. Why don't you come? And instead of spending, you know, eight hours standing here making the seven or $7 an hour at that time, or six, I think it was like six something an hour. So why don't you come do real estate with me and I'll put you on full commission. And, um, and you just telemarket for me and, and, and get people, get me deals, people that want to refinance their houses. I was like, sure. I was like, give me a pitch. Let me try it. Right. I'm, I'm always willing to try anything. So I was working, I was going to school at the time I was in college. I was going to school working the MCI Worldcom job. And I started working part-time with my uncle. So I was, because it was only three hours a night that I had to do it. So I was like, let's just see what develops out of this. Right. Um, I really had nothing to lose. I just had to come up with my tuition. So, um, and I wasn't letting go of my job so that it was perfectly fine. And then I started seeing, I was like, I'm good at this. Like I can, I, I can talk to people. I was able to convince them um, on how we could help them. And first, this before the crash of the real estate, yes? Yeah, yeah, This is way before. So this okay. is like in the 90s. This is like in the 90, 97, maybe 98. Um, it was around that time. It, sorry, yeah, it was around 90, sorry, it was 99, 2000. That's when I started doing this. And then, um, and I was really good at it. And then uh, my thing was, hey, I want to learn the whole business. And they and they refused to teach me that. They're like, you're too young. You won't understand it, this, that, whatever. And I was like, come on. Like, I'm not, I, I can understand anything. You give me an opportunity, I'll show you I can understand the business. And so then at that point, um, you know, I was working with my uncle and he obviously had partners and you know, it was a big company that he was working for. And so then I... I went ahead and I said, okay, you know what? Let me just see if I can, if I can, if I can talk to the person over the phone and convince them, I'll just go meet with them. Right. And see if I can get them to sign the applications. And so I went to the, my first meeting and obviously they see this kid who I think at that point, I believe I was only like 19 or 20 years old that wants to basically refinance your 400 or half a million dollar mortgage. <laughs> I don't think you're going to sign off on that paper. Nobody in their right Probably mind not. would. Right. Like, yeah. who are you giving this to? Exactly. And so I just went over there as a representative of this company and I said, hey, you know, I just want to sign off. Like, let's see if I can get this. And I can show them that I can get this done. Right. And so I went, spoke with the lady. She was super nice. And she said, you know, you're too young. I can't sign off on this. I was like, I understand. You don't have a business card. I was like, I understand. She said, but I know you see, I, I see your company name at the bottom. Why don't you come back with somebody else? And so I asked her, I said, well, what are some of the questions that you would have for that person that you can ask me? And so I jotted down all the questions that she basically had and I went back. And so I went back to my boss at the time and I said, Hey, look, I went, I know I wasn't supposed to do this. You guys aren't willing to teach me. So I went and kind of did this. Um, and they said, okay, you can do that. And I was like, I understand, but here are the questions that she asked me. And then, um, and they're like, Oh wow. They're like, this is really good information. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, so why don't you guys, you know, like, how about I learn it? Um, you know, where I'll just go with somebody until I get to the point. They're like, well, you have to pass uh, a state exam and then you become licensed and then you can do this. I said, fine, I'll pass a state exam, the whole nine yards. That's not hard. I started working on the state exam. At the same time, what I did was, is that I started realizing that people, when they were talking, when these agents were talking to their customers, they had nothing. So they were just going, hey, I'm going to give you a 5% interest rate. I'm going to save you this much money. But they weren't really explaining to the homeowner like how that interest rate, how each plan of the interest rate affects you. So they weren't explaining that. And so I was like, hold on. So I went back and I was really good at Excel. So I put a whole Excel sheet together where somebody could, I would take them, I would ask them for their credit score, what they thought it was, rough estimate between the, because I, because I, I, they had these rate sheets that you could look at, every bank did. 
And so I took that rate sheet and put it into an Excel sheet. And every day, every morning, I would put in the new rates and then I'd go meet with customers with those, uh, a sales agent. And they found out that more people were willing to pay points up front than, than them trying to just get commission from the bank. And it was more profitable for the company to do that. I got my sales license. And then at that point, I remember I spoke with my father because I, I didn't have a four-year college degree. So I could not get a broker's license. So I told my dad, I was like, hey, I have this business idea. How about these guys aren't doing anything that's like, you know, that nobody else can replicate. Why don't we start? Why don't you go get your broker's license and we'll open up a real estate company and I can guarantee you we can make, you know, X, Y, Z amount of money. So I gave him a quick little business plan. And he said, fine. So he passed the brokerage exam and we started uh, at that time, the company was called Real Estate of America. And yeah, and then from there, it was just until 2008. I mean, we were just, you know, we had a team of, I think, 12 people at one point that I was managing. Um, and I was only like 21 years old, 21, 22 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and this so was I, in San Francisco? Uh, yes. For us? Oh, wow. Yes. And so, after that, uh, did that crash affect you guys? Like affecting you bad or what happened after the crash? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it was it, it was a great, great learning experience. I would not take it away for anything. Um, I, I learned that, you know, you have to, you can't, when you're running a business, you can't just be in the trenches. You can't just be doing the process and not think about the environment around you, right? I, I felt that I had it made and that my life was set. And I didn't have to do anything going forward. Um, I, you know, I, you know, like this is going to be what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Like that's that's the thought process that I had. But then the market crashed, and and after that, when like everything, like I I, I will never forget August of 2008. I walked into the office, and I'm calling the banks that we have contacts with, and nobody's picking up the phones. I'm calling my reps; their cell phones are disconnected. Yeah, and I ha- I have customers that I have to report to. So we had like 30 or 40 loans in the pipeline. Um, which is a very, very big lump sum of cash. And these people are relying on us because they want to actually reduce their rates. They're in the they're they're thinking that hey, their loan's going through because we've already started the process. Appraisals have happened, they've invested money to $350. We are, you know, getting this process done. And I remember sitting there and I and, and I'm calling banks, nobody's picking up. And 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 then I turned on the news and lo and behold, they're like, hey, the whole market's gone upside down one bank after the other just kept shutting down and kept closing their doors and stopped processing. And so and I think that was my first time that I had to, that I, I honestly, like at that point, like I was like about, wow, I failed not just myself, but my team and my family. And it really showed me that you have to have grit no matter what you're doing. So at that point I decided, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to kind of, um, I don't, I, I, you know, I, Whatever money we basically had, we dispersed it amongst whatever employees that we had left that decided to stick around and said, hey, you know what? Here you go. Company shutting down. Had to have a conversation with the landlord saying, hey, I can't pay rent anymore. Let's figure something out. Sold all the furniture, paid him, got that stuff all squared away. And then I said, okay, well, what's the next move? At that point, like, you know, uh, I was like, I know, like, I can't, I can't sit here and wait and have no income. So let me just go get a job. And I was always technical, so I could go and interview for a technical job and be picked up instantly. So I went, I interviewed at a company, had a conversation with them. They really liked, you know, what I was talking about, and and it was a startup, so I could understand where they're trying to take the company. And so they're like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll bring you on, and they hired me as a sales engineer. But it was a, it was very humbling to go from the amount of money that I was making to making just a normal paycheck. Because it's substantially different when you own a business to when you 
are somebody, you know, when you're an employee um, and there's a value to your time, uh, a direct value, and, and, and the value is very low compared to when you're a business owner. So especially when you're doing real estate, because I mean, I think anybody that was doing real estate at that time, it was a complete glitch in the system and people were making tons of I heard a lot of people make a lot of money and like tons of money was made. You like can, money to I, <laughs> there was tons of money and it was, it was unreal money. It was cat. It was, it was, I mean, thinking back, like the amount of money that we were, that I was dealing with at 21, no 21 year old should be dealing with that much money. It, to me, I was, I never saw myself in a position to be handling that much cash, right? That much, uh, revenue coming in. And when I moved to that, uh, you know, as a sales engineer, I was like, wow, I was like, this is like, you know, I'm making nothing. And it took me a second to kind of figure it out. And I was like, I have to continue doing this, you know, just for right now to kind of pay the bills and kind of work my way out of this, you know, out of the situation. And I was working around the clock, but I wasn't seeing anything. And then, uh, you know, I remember there, I had applied to become a director and they, you know, they gave it to somebody else. Um, and when I asked why they wouldn't give me an answer. So I was like, this is not the place for me. I got to figure something else out. And so that's when I was like, okay, you know what? what's the next move and i i was like you know with insurance at that time there wasn't that many um you couldn't like you could get rates online but i you know i i felt there there should have been a better way to do it and so we we got our insurance i got my insurance license and then that's when i had spoken with mo and i was like hey you know why don't we just open an insurance company we'll sell insurance see what happens see if we can figure out a solution and we'll kind of build up from there and was and, that how you kind of transitioned into sticker quicker? Is it through insurance or was it? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly how it, so the, when we try to do Google AdWord marketing, the insurance companies were paying so much for the AdWord that we could not even compete because the amount of commission that you get for one policy and how many clicks it takes to get that policy, you're going to be in the negative. So we couldn't do that. So we were figuring out other ways to do it. So we're like, Oh, why don't we try a product or, um, uh, you know, another Avenue, uh, um, uh, another avenue or service to kind of get them in so that we can quote the insurance. And so that's where we started doing the DMV processing. And then we we're like, hold on. Once we learned the process, we realized that this all can be done. This all can be automated very simply and very quickly. And so we started putting you know, a plan together and then we, you know, we were lucky to meet the right people. And I think that's where the luck kind of came in is um, we were able to get in front of the right people and they're like, okay, you know what? We will actually allow you to create this online web-based uh, DMV platform because we know that you're doing so well and you guys know the process inside and out. You have very low mistakes. And they basically gave us the, you know, they gave us the opportunity to do that. And from there, it just basically took off. And let me ask you, when you develop the DMV or Stick okay. Quicker, like what the goal was behind it? Okay, we're gonna do something like this. We're gonna develop Sticker Quicker. What the goal was? Like, what? Why guys you develop it? So in the Bay Area, the population has grown at such a rapid rate with all the big giant tech companies here. We have Google, we have Tesla, uh, we have Facebook. Um, uh, tw uh, you know, th there's Twitter's out here. I mean, it, we're in the Silicon Valley, so there's just population is exploding and DMV could not handle the load. So wait times at a DMV office would be like six hours. You'd be there for the whole day. And then on top of that, the experience is not, the DMV would not, like the, the staff there, obviously they're overworked, right? So they're not in the best moods either. And 
they wouldn't provide the necessary assistance to the customer to help them complete the process. It was always like, oh, fill out this form and come back. Fill out, and it's just giving them reasons of why they need to get back in line, not actually providing the solution. So we said, hold on, let's change the way people think about the DMV. Let's change the way people interface with the DMV and make it more of a painless uh, experience and where people walk out of the office or, you know, they're at home or if they come visit our office, they walk out with a smile. They're not walking out like lost and like, what do I do? And angry. Right. Um, and so that was the ultimate goal behind that was like, we can actually help the public when we got involved in this. Um, you know, we would have conversations with the DMV on like, hey, th- these are the things that we should do. You know, these are what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to tackle this. And they would give us their blessings, and we just you know went from there. So let me ask you first: Do you work with the DMV directly? So are you a partner with the DMV? We're an automation partner. So we have a physical location in Fremont where people can walk in. We have all the inventory here: so license plates, registration cards, stickers, um, uh, uh, vessel stickers, anything that has to do with your vehicle vessel. We have in our office. We basically can issue inventory instantly for the customer so we've been trained on how to fill out the forms we've been trained on and we've trained ourselves to figure out you know how the forms need to be filled out how the dmv wants to see this so that there's no errors and there's no kickbacks from the dmv so my my question for you uh first where you see your business going in the future what do you want to do with the business the, the immediate goal right now is to open up more locations in california and get more services online can you serve only California or a state, different state? As of right now, we're only with uh, within California. So we are speaking with other states um, to see if they're willing to open up their um, DMV offices to us and allow us to provide services in these different states. We're the only company that has been given the authority to issue license plate replacements online. Nobody else can do it. Not even DMV. They don't. They don't have the technology to do it. But we've built the technology to actually issue license plates and ship them to the customer next day. And and so that's the that's the big challenge. Is we need to. We're trying to get DMV to open up. It's like it's like an onion. We're just keep we keep peeling off layers and getting more and more processes with them. And that's the goal. It's just to build up the amount of processes that we can actually provide the public and help the DMV at the same time with this automation. Anybody who does it online. There's less auditing that's basically needed. And it's a it's a system that we've engineered to make the least amount, if not zero errors. So so far, we've not run into any issues when it comes to filing paper with, with the DMV. And they've trusted us enough where now a lot of the forms that we're filing are being filed electronically with them. So there's no physical form that the individual needs to now fill out and take down to the DMV anymore. So it's it, it, we're making strides towards that direction to bring them to the 21st century. Excellent. So for us, we're out of time, but I wanted to okay. give you one opportunity. If there's any learnings or anything else that you would give to um, new entrepreneurs or people that are just getting into business, um, what would you say that would be? One is learn the business inside and out. And don't be the guy that's or the gal that's um, uh, just in the bit like where you're in the trenches all the time. Make sure that you take that breather, stick your head out of the hole and look at the the landscape in front of you and say, hey, where is you know the country going? What's going on with the economy? Because all those things play a role in your business if it's going to be successful or not. And I think that's the biggest uh, takeaway that I would tell any entrepreneur is know the landscape of the entire you know, region or whoever you're dealing with or whatever economy you're in, 
um, so you can you can better navigate your company in the right direction. Faz, I, I wish if we have more time because I, I you're very interested, <laughs> guys, and I want to ask a lot more questions, but I I don't think we have uh, more time. But I think probably we should do another one from this in the future because you have a lot of information to provide. I have a lot of questions for you about the insurance, but uh, in the future, probably we do it, Faz. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being on with us. Um, we really appreciate your time. It's been great. Thank you so much. It's really nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to Founder Thought. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at founderthought.com. Founder Thought is a production of Pepper Gang.